There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to Marlene Property with John Pigeon and Emily Wallace. Today on the show, we have a very experienced, talented real estate agent from Melbourne. We're going to talk about how to enter the industry if you're thinking about being a real estate agent, but also his journey and what he's seeing out there in the marketplace in Melbourne. Obviously, Emily's all over the Melbourne market on a daily basis, but good to get someone else who's in his own patch over sort of Flemington way. So let's get into it. All right, Jason Watts, welcome. Thanks, Pidge. <laughs> Good to have you on. Yeah. <laughs> We've attempted to get this guy on for about 12 months. He's a busy man. He's in the top 100 real estate agents in Australia. So he's got, I think, about 19 or 20 years of experience in the industry. So he's, it's not his first rodeo. Jace, how did you get into real estate? My mum said to me, I talk a lot. Have you thought about getting into real estate? <laughs> that was when I finished school and one thing led to another. My grandfather was president of Carltonians and he knew some people through his network and organised a job interview with a certain individual in the city. And then I called that individual up, arranged a meeting with him, went to the coffee shop and he never turned up. So my first impressions of real estate agents wasn't favourable. So... <laughs> And then I went home and told mum, I said, no, I don't think real estate's for me. And then mum went to work and then told her friend the story. One of mum's friends told that story to one of her friends. And then I got a phone call from a real estate agent asking me to go and meet with him. And his name was Jason Marston. And then I had a coffee with Jason two days later and the week after I was working for him. Right. And that was 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So obviously the first meeting didn't go that well, but that meeting with Jason... How did that shape and form the way you see real estate? Yeah, so Jason was all about customer service and being a human being first before you're a salesperson. And that's something I really practice and preach to all of my guys that if you're a salesperson, people don't like getting sold things. They like getting told and informed them so they can make educated decisions. So Jason was all about providing really good customer service and helping buyers going that extra step. And that's really what I focus on, just being a really good buyer's agent at the start. So if a person came through an open for inspection, it wasn't suitable for them. What did they actually need? What areas were they looking in? What type of house were they after? And just tried to shop that person through as many properties as I can and had a genuine interest in wanting to help them. And then from that sort of grooming, so to speak, one thing led to another. And in those early days of real estate, because I know a lot of people have a perception of what real estate is, right? And social media doesn't really help. I mean, majority of Instagram followers that I have are agents and it's it can be at times quite showy, watches, yeah. cars, nice dinners, yeah. holidays, all the yeah. rest of it. And that's not really the full picture. In terms of, you know, for someone listening who might be thinking about getting into real estate and what that sort of first 12 to 24 months was like, yeah. was it hustle? How did you get into houses to actually appraise them? What yeah. did that even look like? Um, 
Can I swear on this or try not to? <laughs> yeah. It'll get edited. Uh, well, It'll get, get edited. Give it a go. Give it okay, a go. You've you got to get. You got to be prepared to eat shit. Yeah. For say a twelve to eighteen or twenty-four month period. Sorry to swear, but it's it's a hard grind because you're coming into real estate, and I've got twenty years experience. So people actually often call me, and I like to provide a, a very comfortable level of service. But if you're getting into it now, that it's just being a human being first. Okay, I can't really talk and express that enough and then understand like, the good thing with our business at Nelson Alexander we don't really let guys come in on their own so they work with one of the partners or an experienced agent and they come in and have a focus on an area of the business where they can really specialize in and that's generally meeting and dealing with buyers okay but understand that you're not going to be having people calling you from day one okay doing the right thing meeting a person providing as much service as you can to them helping them try to find a suitable property for them what's their buyer journey do they have something to sell just asking the right questions is finding out exactly what their journey is and taking the time not trying to be a salesperson because people disconnect from that it's just you've got to do the hard yards in real estate because the people who have the flashy watches and drive the nice cars on instagram generally aren't doing the best deals like the guys who fly under the radar are the ones who are probably doing the most amount of transactions because they're the most relatable individuals. Mm. Yeah. 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 Those, those real estate agents that have those sort of flashy dinners and driving nice cars, they're all leased as well. <laughs> they're just heavily leveraged. That's yeah. what I always say. People who have these things can just leverage really hard. That yeah. doesn't mean that they own them. It just means they can leverage and they're comfortable with a high amount of leverage and they probably don't sleep very well. Yeah, yeah. correct. The, this is turning into a let's bag the hell out of flashy real estate uh, agents, um, <laughs> which is which is cool. I'm okay with that. Uh, you're right, Emily, though. Like the perception out there, like – Real estate agents are one level above car salesmen. Like, sorry to to put both of those categories into the mix, but Jason, when I first met you or introduced you, uh, to you, that when I heard real estate agent, like straight away, my mind unfortunately defaults to, uh, what, what's he going to tell me about himself, sort of thing. But <laughs> like, fast forward a couple of years, that's definitely not the case. Down to earth, approachable, not ahead of yourself, even though you've achieved a lot in real estate and. Jack Cowan, the founder of Hungry Jacks, always said, if you lose your integrity, no amount of success will be meaningful. And and that rings through with what you've done is that the integrity is high. Mm. First thing you said and the first thing you got taught was customer service and just be a good person, number one, and the rest of it looks after itself. I think for anyone out there wanting to engage a real estate agent, whether to buy or to sell, that's the first part of it for me. Like I will walk away, especially as a vendor, if the real estate agent is rubbing me up the wrong way in terms of, well, they're talking about how good they are and what they drive and all those sort of things. That's not what it's about, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. It's being down to earth and yeah, it's a no dickhead policy we try to have in our office as well, just to be a normal human being. You've got to have a lot of energy as well. Like I am, you asked me downstairs if I want to have a second coffee for the day. Yeah. If I have a second coffee for the day, I'm bouncing off walls. So <laughs> uh, no, I, I like to, I train in the mornings. I've got a good routine. Being down to earth and keeping your feet grounded is the most important thing. Mm. Like don't get ahead of yourself and yeah, those flashy things like, yes, I drive a nice car, but it's certainly not broadcast and published on Instagram or social media. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I just try to keep it as simple as possible. I am on Instagram, but I don't follow all my competitors. I just 
follow the friends and family that I like. Mm. Yeah. And the things that I promote on Instagram, I, I've gone away from promoting all the sales and everything I was doing because I found it was a bit too egotistical. Yeah. So it's more just family things that I just post now. Me with my two sons and with Rach when we go travelling and spending some time at the zoo or what we do on the weekend. So yeah. just a bit, bit more relatable rather than showy. Yeah. Real. And Glenn and I spoke about this on the main show a few weeks back was when you've I wouldn't say made it, but when when you get that level of you're successful and your income's good and your lifestyle's well balanced and you get to think outside the square and be able to help other people and be genuine and you actually, when you're in the grind and the hustle trying to achieve all those things early on, we can often get caught up in the razzle-dazzle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like talk about training and helping guys, that's something I absolutely thrive and I get a real joy helping our young generation of estate agents to come through it's all about succession planning and helping them achieve and showing the tools and the little one percenters that i've done over my career to help them get there and i remember the reason i'm talking about this i just helped a young guy he's doing his first auction next weekend like in an auction environment in an auction training sort of um thing that we do through our academy at nelson alexander and um he got up there in front of me and two other sales guys and he got up there this morning and was just all shy and i said mate don't worry my first auction because my uh, previous boss was jason Mar- Marston, I rehearsed and everything, but when I got in front of the crowd, I said, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jason Marston, and it's like, he went, what? <laughs> so I, it's, forgot I, your I, own I, name. I, I forgot my own name, it was the worst sock you could ever imagine, I mumbled and stumbled and fumbled my way through it, and then the lady actually gave me a bid, and then I ended up selling it to her, I said, why did you end up bidding today, because I didn't think I was making much sense, she said, Jason, you weren't, I felt sorry for you. <laughs> she bought the house out of feeling bought, sorry for she you. She bought the apartment, I've actually got it for sale at the moment, 20 years later, I've sold three houses for that lady and anyways it ended up being a negative experience turned into a positive experience yeah, <laughs> I love that. yeah it's just like you've got to be vulnerable as well yeah um, be real be genuine it's just show a care in helping people because everyone's a human being at the end of the day yeah mm-hmm. just don't get caught up in your ego and thinking because mate at the end of the day we're selling real estate yeah we're not rocket scientists we're not taking people to the moon we're not reinventing the wheel yeah. so to speak just keep it simple that's right in that case have a laugh at yourself but i think um <laughs> we're going to talk about the current state of the markets in a moment or after the break but just go back 20 years what type of markets were you selling in like what did you feel out there obviously property prices were a hell of a lot cheaper than they are today but were you ever taught to think about what type of market you're in or just uh let's go out and list as many as we can no so the market that we were in flemington and kensington wasn't really the most popular of areas because we had the sale yards which was just under construction as well 20 years ago that was the sale yards that's now kensington banks so not a lot of actual people wanted to go in and purchase in that area so we really focused on the buyer management side of the business which is what we still focus on now so the last two years you've been an order taker for a real estate agent really the last 20 years we haven't really had major challenging markets because there's been government grants and the market's always been propped up by certain things within certain aspects but it was really focusing on that day-to-day buy management whether the market's booming or whether it's actually busting or whether it's a neutral market if you do the buy management and take a person through not just one property maybe five or six you've always got a market to work with okay so let's go deeper into that buy management part. So if yep. I'm a budding real estate agent, I'm coming through the door on day one, what's my yep. focus to get buyer management underway? Training and scripts and dialogue and working out how to ask the right questions. And the more questions you ask, the more information you'll get, the more people want to deal with you, 
and the more transactions you'd be able to facilitate. Mm. So, John, if you came through an open for inspection, I'd find out what motivated you to come through the open for inspection. Do you live in the area? You're renting? No, you own. Okay, so then I can obviously deal with your potential on evaluation front. But if you're renting, have you purchased before? No, first home buyer. Okay, have you got finances in order? If you need to get your finances in order, we've got a person who we have a relationship with, Nick Riley, that we can sort of introduce you to. He can assist you with your mortgage process. So just going through the steps to help a person fulfill their goals if they're at the start of it, yeah. or if they've obviously been experienced and um, have had a rush of blood, so to speak, and in being involved with auctions in the past, take them through that was something that was very similar as quickly as possible. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And I think like you can have as many scripts as you want in your life, but if you're an idiot, then you, you, <laughs> those scripts aren't going to last too long, are they? No. Yeah, but you can't be, hey, John, thanks for coming through the open for inspection. Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. You well, even, yeah. even that, do you know what I've noticed recently being, and look, sometimes I'll run up to an open home and people won't know I'm actually in the industry. So they just assume I'm a first home buyer maybe, yep. and that's fine. But my pet hate is, and I'm sure this happens Australia-wide, is name and number. Yeah. Not even, hi, yeah. my name is, what is yours? Yeah. Could I please have your name and number for our system? And in some areas, it's very common to ask for ID. Yeah. And they literally just say, ID, please. And I'm like, am I at a club or am I at an open home? Because, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. there's just no relationship yeah, there. Yeah. So you've got to actually, and we have been, and we'll take a break in a sec, and after we'll talk a bit more about the market right now, but we have been in a market where things are effectively selling themselves. Mm. The demand has well and truly outweigh the supply. And so it has been very easy for sales to occur. And the first thing that goes when that is the case, from my observations, is the buyer rapport and looking after buyers. 100%. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's the first thing that goes because you're just an order taker. The open for inspection follow-up doesn't happen. Like if you go and open for inspection over a weekend, do you get a phone call from agents on Monday or does that really happen? Yeah, I rarely get Mondays. Yeah, yeah. No, so we our Mondays is Mondays is so Monday nine a.m. to ten a.m. setting up the week, but from ten till around one o'clock, we're just making as many calls as we can to all the buyers who came through the open for inspection. Yeah. And for those agents starting out, um, guys, like having information about the property that you're selling is absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. Nothing burns me the most. So if you're going through an open for inspection, M, or oh, how big's the block? Uh, I don't know. Oh, what are the outgoings? Oh, me. I don't know. Like it's just you're. Yeah. Representing what you're selling. a vendor that's selling that's paying you a significant amount of money for realistically four weeks worth of work mm. you are it's your job to actually know what the outgoings are yeah okay so if a person comes through and open for inspection i'm very welcoming hey um mj nice to meet you can i just get your full name and contact details okay the reason why the vendors are selling is x they've just purchased a house around the corner the block of land is y Okay, the outgoings is this. Okay, we've sold a house around the corner that was based that sold for X amount. That's the reason why we're quoting this range. I provide as much information to them as I can because most of my competitors don't know anything. Mm. Yeah, about the properties they're representing. So you've got to be knowledgeable. Not yeah. hard, is it? Yeah. The one that gets me, and this is just from the investment space, is when the real estate agent doesn't know what it'll rent for, right? That, because obviously it's uh, it's a lot of agents are dealing with owner-occupiers, but just get that research done and you, you've got a property management team, get that done. You know when it's going to list, get that ready, right? But Basics, yeah, was, 100% basics. I was talking to an agent the other day, I put an offering on a house and they said, is there any movement on that offer? I said, yeah, I can come down. And uh, they sort of didn't get the joke, but... Uh, uh, didn't land too well, though, did you? Buy it? Did you buy it? <laughs> no, I didn't end up buying it, but yeah. 
<laughs> we'll shoot to a break and then we'll come back and talk about the current Melbourne market and what it's doing and the forecasting for the future. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, Jason, it has been a very interesting market to be a part of pretty much from the end of 2020 until we find ourselves now in May 2022 at the time of recording. And I just want to note that time because people will listen back at another time potentially. So, context is always key. Now, we really have been in a seller's market across Australia. We're talking about Melbourne with yourself because that's where you are based. But more generally, the observation has been it's been across Australia. Has there been a shift or what have you noticed since the start of 2022 in the market coming yep. up to sort of middle of the year? Yep. So when lockdown happened, when we came out of lockdown late last year, we had virtually two months worth of transactions that was taking place in October. Like there was that much stock to hit the market. And then November, things were relaxed with restrictions being eased. People could literally travel around. We weren't getting anyone to throw open for inspections. Okay, so we took a lot of properties off the market late November, early December and hoping that we're going to have a better market to work with in February. Okay, we came back December, there was no stock, January, no stock. There was a really active market for the first three weeks in February. Then those buyers who have been in the market for a period of time were taken out of the market. Those buyers behind them are very cautious and educated about what's taking place in the market. Okay, so we are now dealing in a normal market where good quality homes are always going to sell. Okay, anything that's slightly compromised on a main road opposite the train station next to a freeway have probably, and anything that needs a bit of construction or a full renovation, the cost of timber is now up to nine bucks a metre, steals at record prices. Like my wife and I are 16 months into what was meant to be a 12 month renovation. Like everything's blown out. So that's taken us 12 months to get a permit, it'll be a two year build. Like, there's a lot of people who are getting scared about the cost of renovating a house now. And so those houses that need a renovation have probably come back what, what I'm seeing five or sometimes 10%. Yeah. But the renovated homes that are available, the volume of buyers wanting to go through them is like what it was the last two years because the cost of construction is so high and that timing is just blown out. So anything that's really good 
is still selling well. Anything that slightly compromises come back on price. Yeah, okay. So interesting, Jace, you talk about uh, anything that's on a on a main road or opposite a railway line or, or just something that's less desirable is sticking around a bit longer and start to have a smell about it, right? That's real estate 101, isn't it? Like nothing's changed in the last hundred years. All that's changed is in a hot market, those things were going because they were the cheapest thing available in that suburb. So talk to us about over the journey, how on the contrary, something in an awesome location actually gets inflated and goes for more because it is in a good location. Yeah. So we had one like over... Is you, do you want to talk about this year or over my yeah, whole journey both. or yeah, anything? Yeah. Okay, so perfect example. So I sold a house in Kensington by way of Boardroom Auction last night. They got 1.93. That's a three-bedroom single front on 230 metres of land. Now, the first open for inspection had 29 groups come through that property, okay? I had something over in Flemington that was a three-bed single front, one bathroom with a double garage on 270 square metres of land the same weekend, okay? The one in Kensington that was fully renovated had that – volume of people go through and I had that open for inspection first to hopefully get some good buyers to go through that one in Flemington. The one in Flemington had four people go through. Wow. A 20-year-old renovation versus something that was done. The 20-year-old renovation was a bigger property but people want something that's got that flair and that contemporary sort of look. Mm. So yeah. majority of people who buy real estate in Australia are owner-occupiers and owner-occupiers run with emotion a little bit more than investors who run on logic and numbers and everything else so do you feel that there was there was a lot more emotion attached with that new property or not necessarily new property but the overexpended renovation that looked great didn't have to do anything to and as a result it sells for hire yep yeah, exactly right. Yep. So there's more there, – there's the three families that had plans and permits to renovate their family home were involved in that transaction because they didn't want to go through the, a two-year exercise of renovating. They'd rather just buy something that's done. And they've invested $50,000 in some instances to deal with an architect – to avoid that whole hassle of that renovation process. So the last couple of years with COVID, like there hasn't been that great volume of rental activity going on in our marketplace because rents did come back probably 10 to 15%, okay? Em and I were talking about this earlier, like our rental department, we manage a certain amount of properties. That hasn't really been that um, profitable over the last couple of years because of obviously um, what we've had to provide to our renters to make sure that they're comfortable and can still afford to live, okay? Because a lot of people didn't have job security and everything. But now we're on the back end of COVID, rents is now starting to go up, okay? That's why we're starting to see a lot more investors come back into our marketplace and a lot more advocates identifying that there's better buying opportunities and the rents are starting to get to where they were pre-COVID levels. Just on the note of the renovated versus unrenovated or renovated 20 years ago, which is usually a very dated, interesting uh, choice of splashback yep. colour or, you know, something yep. along the lines of that. So presumably then, and for those listening who are thinking about, you know, buying real estate, maybe there is merit to those who have access to trades in their family in looking at potential renovation projects that are viable that actually perform really well in this type of market. 100%. Absolutely. They're very good buying opportunities at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So I've got three double fronts that are certainly livable, probably 20-year-old renovations at the moment. I can't get anyone through the door. And they're all in Ascot Vale, really big, spacious homes between 450 to 600 square metres. 
like if they were in, in February or late last year, they're probably selling for two two. Now they're probably worth around two million. Yeah. Like that, nothing's changed in terms of the value. It's just the perception in the market that's obviously brought them back, and also the conversations that a lot of people are having about the cost of construction. Yeah. So if you've got the ability and obviously have access to some reliable tradespeople. Mm. Very, very good buying opportunities. Yeah. And I think they're going to continue. Those properties will continue to be good value for probably the next 18 months. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So a, a lot of the listeners will be thinking, okay, I'll buy in, I can't buy in at $2 million. I'm, I've, I've got 20 grand or I've got 30 grand to on my savings journey for my first property. But the indicators, uh, they are pretty standard. They don't change over time. Uh, one indicator that I want to talk to you about is days on market. So... Uh, last year or, or in your hottest period over the last five years, what were the days on market average like compared to now? So in the peak of the market when we could trade over the last two years, I was doing two and a half week auctions, okay? Because wow. any longer, the, the buyers are real time, okay? They've been involved with campaigns in the past. Stock levels are very low, but if stock levels are low, if something similar that comes up halfway through the campaign, we'd lose good buyers. So we were doing two open for inspections, so two Saturdays, and then a twilight auctions during the week or virtual auctions during the week. So literally 14 to 16 days is what we're operating with like when the market was flying. Yeah. But now we, now we need a full four-week period, which is three weeks of opens and the fourth Saturday is when the auction takes place because of the volume of buyers has um, come back for certain property types. Right. And, and so essentially it's doubled the time frame and the days on markets probably that's actually registered as days is, is probably shorter than that anyway, isn't it? From the time you actually transact and cooling off and whatever else. But if you look yep. at off market opportunities, which is always buzz, isn't it? Everyone wants an off market opportunity. How do you work with that? And is, how has that changed through the climate of um, supply demand? So it depends on the property type. So with the house, so I sold a house in Flemington over the weekend. I listed a three-bedroom single front in Kensington. It was almost identical, but just in a different suburb. It was going to be a similar quote range. We had four bidders on that one on Saturday. Those underbidders were involved in that property that we sold Saturday, went through the what we call a VIP inspection, where we bring those qualified buyers through. That happened on the Monday, okay? With family homes at the moment, some vendors happen have an appetite to do off markets because of the hassle of a four week marketing campaign, keeping it clean and tidy with kids. It, it's hard. It's it's quite challenging. And some a lot of those vendors we encourage to get an Airbnb for say two to three weeks whilst we're managing the marketing campaign. But a lot of those vendors sometimes, or not a lot of them, a few of them have an appetite for an off market transaction. It's really case by case, and we just have to obviously identify what the vendors' needs are and what their appetite is if they want to go to market. Because some vendors, if they have an appetite to consider something off market, if we present them an offer off market, sometimes that feels a bit too easy. And what if, should we go to market? So it's really, we've got to be careful about how we manage that. Sometimes it can be great straight off the bat. You get full asking and then they question, oh, but you know, what if we had more people involved in this? What happens? So you've got to make sure they really are a seller. Um, One thing I'd love to touch on is the transparency of transactions. So one thing that pops up a lot in our Facebook group with our, our buyers that are part of the community is around the lack of transparency in a sales process when it's not an auction. Yeah. Now, I've dealt with your agency, branches of your agency before, and yep. the way that you guys handle things is really interesting when it comes to two people on a property. Yep. Usually, and a lot of the talk in the Facebook group has been best and final offers, really scare buyers. Mm. They feel like they could be really overpaying for a property. Yep. 
how do you handle or what do you think is the best way to handle multiple buyers in a private sale situation? Transparency. In one word, <laughs> like that best and final I hate because often the buyers feel as if they have to overpay or yes. sometimes you leave money on the table. Yes. Like often if, you, if you're completely transparent, so answering your question, how we handle it. So if John puts forward an offer of say we're quoting six to 650 with Nelson Alexander, our vendors reserve price is always within the quoted range. Okay. If you want to put an offer beforehand, typically we would encourage it to be at the top of the range or a little bit above to motivate the vendor to stop the marketing campaign. If we get an offer of say 650, the property would generally go to the vendor, would seek the vendor's instructions about what the offer is. If they're prepared to sell, we'd go back to Emily and all the other buyers who have disclosed, uh, who've expressed some interest. We would disclose the bid, the price, the terms, everything, okay? If there's another buyer that would like to contest and challenge that offer, we'll bring them forward, have a Zoom auction or a boardroom auction. Yeah, which I just think is like the best way to do it. And I've actually been in that process, even for your off-market properties, it's the same process. And it's so interesting that potentially an an old school or more traditional way of operating is this best and final, you know, silent sort of auction that's going on. Mm -hmm. And the poor buyers really do feel like, they're overpaying for the property and they kind of are left with a bad impression of real estate agents, to be honest. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I've tried to help clients buy property as well. Yep. And that process, I hate. Yeah. Like so it's, do it's, I. It's, it's my it's, least it's, preferred oh, method. Yeah. Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not fair. It's not transparent. Can't speak to what the other agency's policies are and why they handle that. But certainly from our point of view, it's about keeping it as simple as possible. Yeah. And the reason why head office actually made that call about being transparent with the boardroom auctions before auction, mm. after the auction, or even if it's off market, we do it with private sales as well is because that's the feedback that we got from the market. Yeah, They didn't like the one bid, one bid only. They didn't like best and final offer. It, it's just it, yeah. people don't want to overpay. And when sometimes people find out that they missed out by $1,000, they would always say, oh, I would have paid more. So you've left money on the table for the vendor. Yeah. Now, I would go as far to say owner, occupier or investor, I would not go to best and final houses or ha- best and final processes because there's another house next door or, or up the road or next week there'll be another opportunity that'll be just as good if not better and you have complete transparency because I've, I've seen it time and time again where the client's actually bidding against themselves without even knowing it and yeah it's just yep. uh, obviously it puts a taint on the industry and but um, yeah more importantly you know a, a good agent when you've found five bad ones so the the transparency piece and customer service is, is what shines out and there's been some little bits of gold here all the way through Emily hasn't there? Most definitely. I think uh, it's been a while since we've spoken to a real estate agent because uh, you know, John and I are both on the buying side of property and we do cover off some of the selling aspects of what to consider and things. But it's just so great to get the insight from someone who's on the other side of the fence and operating you know, in a market who's, and you've been around for a long time too. So you've seen a lot, you know yeah. a lot. Um, so it's been really helpful. Yeah. So just, just to finish, Jace, talk to us about buyers agents. Do you like us guys? Do you like dealing Love with them. us? Like, uh, and what's the benefits of using one as a real estate agent? So we talk about the off-market opportunities. The first people I call when I get an off-market air marketplace is you guys. Mm. 
because you've got the qualified buyers, you've obviously got the relationships with people who are looking to purchase a property that we potentially may have to sell. So the advocates we have in our marketplace that are very active, generally you would always get a first phone call, okay? And then the buyers, agents who work within our business would contact people who've gone through similar open for inspections to see if we can get any buyers from them. But certainly for people who are time poor, for people who want some transparency, the good thing about obviously the dialogue that we can share with one another is that you guys are experienced buyers agents, you know exactly how it works. That what I can say to you is probably a little bit different about how I can obviously speak to a buyer, but it's still the same intentions, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So certainly got it's very important from an experienced agent's point of view to maintain good, healthy relationship with buyers advocates yeah. because you guys are great to work with. All right, and That's we didn't we didn't pay him to say that either, did we? No, you didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and you look to have a an extra spring in your step. Is that because Carlton are in the top four, or what's uh, what's go the, the baggers, mate? I'm <laughs> up and about. I went to the first four games this year. I couldn't be happier. So it'll be a good test tonight. Uh, I've never known so many Carlton supporters to come out of the woodwork. But anyway, <laughs> no, mate, nor have I. <laughs> Uh, Look, really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on today, Jase. I'll be happy to help. Thanks, guys. Thanks. There'll be some links in the show notes as well about today's episode and where you can find Jason. If you do have a request for a specialist or an expert in some field to come in on the podcast and John and I to interview them, please put it in the My Millennial Money Facebook group. And if you're not a member, you definitely should be. So go and uh, look us up on Facebook and we'll gladly welcome you. Very good. Until next time, chat soon. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And if you're a first home buyer, I had the course just for you. Everything from pre-approval all the way through into your settlement and everything in between. How to place an offer, how to bid at auction, what to even look for at an open home and what questions to ask the agents. It's all covered in my online course. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorised representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services licence 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 